Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, guys, give it up for the Psalmist Mission. Hey, so let's do this, friends. We're going to jump right into God's Word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, just go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we've talked for over the last couple of days about different heroes of the faith, and we're obviously going to continue doing so. Who have we talked about so far? You remember? We had Noah. We had Abraham. We had Joseph. And today we will have Moses. So Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Now, friends, before we get started, there is someone in this room today I want to recognize yeah. right in the back Bentley raise your hand everybody say hey Bentley hey, hey guys last night Bentley repented of his sin and he trusted in Jesus as Lord Bentley, we're excited for you, buddy. You know, it was like the coolest thing ever. The dude just got right with the Lord, and then we're standing out by the cafeteria. He's with Ty, and then he just yells out, Hey, everybody, Jesus saved me. And I was like, Heck yeah, Bentley, he did. So, man, Bentley, we're excited for you, brother. Very cool. All right, friends, let's do this. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 23. We read this. By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they did not fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than all the treasure in Egypt since he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, Moses. Now, my daughter, Karis, who's in the back, so everybody say, hey, Care Bear. Hey, Karis. She's like, what the crap is going on, dude? My daughter, Karis, she's, you know, she's awesome. That's the demon screecher. Uh, but Karis is at this point in her life where when you ask her to do something or when you tell her to do something, really, she always comes up with the world's um, silliest and, and sometimes most stupid excuses. Okay, I'll give you an example. Last night, we were walking back up to our room from chapel, and we're walking up the hill, and she's huffing and panting, and she looks at me. She says, Daddy, what are we doing? And I said, well, we're going to go back to the room. You're going to take a shower, and we're going to go to bed. And she looked at me, and just dead in the eye, she goes, oh, no, 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 Dada. I don't need to take a shower. I took a shower last Sunday. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, huh. And then I was like, no, Karis, you need to take a shower. And she goes, no, Daddy, I don't need to take a shower. I'm not really hungry, so it's okay. And I was like, you're not really hungry, so it's okay. Okay, so needless to say, she didn't take a shower. Okay, there it is. Uh, then Saturday night before we were getting packed to leave for camp, I said, hey, Karis, uh, you need to come here. You need to help me clean your room. And she looked at me. She goes, no, Daddy, I don't need to clean my room. It is very hot outside today. And yeah, it was hot outside. It was like 104, but her room was like 73 degrees. And so those two aren't really connected. And so I pressed her. I said, Karis, you need to clean her room. And she goes, Dad, the sun's out. I'm not going to clean my room. And I was like, okay, kind of weird excuse. And then a couple weeks ago, we were in bed. I was trying to get, get her to settle down and go to sleep. And she started rolling around. And all of a sudden, she jumped out of her bed. Right? She jumped out of her bed. And the room is pitch black. And so she tripped over her Buzz Lightyear action figure, which was honestly kind of hilarious. But she trips over. She runs to her little play kitchen. And I was like, Karis, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm making dinner. And I like, it's like 1030 at night. I'm like, no, it's time to go to bed. We need to go to sleep. And she says, no, Daddy, I don't need to go to sleep. I go to church. And I was like, OK. So if you go to church, you do not have to honor your father and mother. So that's exactly how it works. You see, my daughter is at this phase in her life where she's a chronic excuse maker. But let's be honest, three-year-olds aren't the only people who make excuses, are they? 
Did teenagers make excuses sometimes? Do adults make excuses sometimes? Absolutely. You know, I read recently, there was this little article online. It was published uh, by an automotive insurance company. And they shared with their subscribers a list of excuses that they had received from their customers to justify the accidents that they had been in. I want to read you some of these excuses. And mind you, these are from adults with fully developed brains. Okay? One driver who got in a major fender bender. He turned this excuse into the insurance company. He said, and I quote, an invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and then vanished once again. A real excuse from a real adult. Another customer who got in a wreck on the freeway down in Los Angeles said this. He says, the other car collided with mine. Now, I did see the car coming, but I've always wanted to be in an accident, so I decided just to take it. People in L.A., am I right? There it is. One customer who was actually arrested for driving while behind the wheel submitted this excuse once their insurance rate went up. The customer said this, yes, I did fall asleep behind the wheel. You have to understand, though, this happens often, but nobody really ever gets hurt, so maybe this time you could give me a pass. And then finally, this is my favorite one. This came from a driver who actually struck a pedestrian. The pedestrian lived. I looked it up, so we're fine. This came from a driver who struck a pedestrian. The customer claimed this. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I was left with no other option but to just run him over. Friends, here's the point I'm trying to get to is people today make excuses all the time. We make excuses for bad driving. We make excuses to get out of chores. We make excuses to get out of school, to not have to do our homework. People today are chronic excuse makers. And honestly, do you know which character in the Bible struggled with making excuses maybe more than any other? It was Moses. Friends, you look at Moses' life and you find that time and time and time again, when God called Moses, he made an excuse. Now, Moses is one of those characters in scripture who we're all pretty well familiar with. You've either A, heard about Moses in the scriptures or, or maybe in a Bible study at church, or you watch that banger Pixar movie, or was it DreamWorks movie, The Prince of Egypt. Anybody like that movie, The Prince of Egypt? Heck yeah. Right? Moses is a character which many people in our society today are familiar with. And so if you know anything about Moses, you may remember that Moses was born to Hebrew slaves who were in captivity in Egypt. You may also remember that shortly after Moses' birth, the Pharaoh began to fear the amount of Hebrews that there were. And so he said an edict across the land that every single Hebrew baby boy needed to be casted out into the Nile River and drowned. You may also remember the part of the story that we just read in, the, in that verse in Hebrews where it says that Moses' mother did not follow the king's edict, but instead chose to hide Moses for three months. Now, let me ask you guys this. Why do you think after three months she decided, hey, I can no longer hide my kid? Yeah, kids get too freaking loud, right? I have twins, and I remember when they were three months old, man, they were sounding like a choir of wet, feral cats, right? It is hard to hide a screaming baby. And so what does Moses' mother do? She takes him down to the Nile, almost like how the Pharaoh had said, but she doesn't cast him in the river to drown. The text says that she put him into a basket. The Hebrew literally reads that she put him into an ark, and she sent him down the river. And friends, if you know the story, who was it that saw little baby Moses floating in that little ark? It was Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses. She grabs him out of the Nile River, and Scripture tells us that she adopted him as her own son. 
And so, friends, in a very short period of time, Moses went from being a Hebrew slave to being the crown prince of one of the most powerful nations the world has ever seen. There's even a scholar, he claims that had Moses stayed in Egypt, that he likely would have one day become Pharaoh himself. Now, friends, I'm not too sure about this, that, but I do know this. Pharaoh was a prince of Egypt. And as a prince in Egypt, he probably had a pretty sweet life. Moses probably ate the best food. He wore the nicest clothes. He went to the best schools. Moses was likely feared, and Moses was respected. But Moses was also a man who never forgot where he came from. Moses knew that he looked a little bit different than the rest of the Egyptians. Moses knew that by blood, he was a Hebrew. And friends, I believe that Moses loved the Hebrew people. In fact, do you remember what happens one day when Moses essentially walks out to the quarry? When he walks out to the yard, he sees these Hebrew slaves being brutally beaten by an Egyptian taskmaster. And so what does Moses do? Well, he kills them. Something inside of Moses just snaps, and so he takes wrath into his own hands. He takes judgment into his own hands, and as the prince, he kills the taskmaster. And then what does he do with the body? Well, he buries it. He hides it. And for just a little while, Moses thought that he was scot-free, that he would never be in trouble, but it found out that his crime was discovered. And so, friends, instead of owning up to his crime, instead of facing the Pharaoh, Moses decides to run hundreds and hundreds of miles away to a land called Midian. Friends, Moses would live in Midian for 40 years of his life. In Midian, he would meet a woman. He would fall in love. In Midian, he would start a family. He would have many children. In Midian, he would start a new career working as a shepherd. For 40 years, Moses, this great man of faith who's remembered in Hebrews chapter 11, he hid. But then this happens to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. We read in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 that Moses was leading his father-in-law's Jethro's sheep, his flocks, to the far side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God, which by the way is Mount Sinai. For the first time in his life, he goes to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there we read in verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, do you remember this part of Moses' story, the story of the burning bush? All right, listen to what happens next. Verse 3, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, friends, this is what I love about Moses, because Moses was just a man's man. Dudes, we need to admit, you and I get really distracted. Yesterday, I was walking out by the, by, the, by the pond, and I saw two little boys. I say two little boys. They're like seniors in high school. They were sitting there watching two ants fight. And I thought, man, that's our future. <laughs> you see, men, we become so easily distracted. And this was Moses. He sees this burning. He's walking with some sheep, walking like this, and he sees a burning bush, and he goes, oh, shoot. That bush is on, that bush is on fire, but it's not on fire. And so, friends, what Moses does, he walks up to the bush, and this is what happens next. The bush starts to speak, and it says, Moses, Moses. Now, at this point, Moses is probably thinking, holy crap, I probably ate some bad pita bread and hummus this morning. I should not have eaten that desert mushroom because something's going on. But, friends, this bush speaks, and this is what Moses says in response. He says, here I am. It's me, Moses, speak. And we pick up the story in Exodus 3, verse 5. The book speaks, God says to Moses, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. If it was 2023, he would say, take off your crocs. For the place where you are standing is what? The place you are standing is holy ground. 
Then God said to Moses, listen carefully, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And friends, we read right there in the next sentence, it's at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, I always wondered how Moses hid his face, but this is what I think they did. I think he closed his eyes and he fell face down to the floor. He bowed. He was prostrate in complete and total fear. And friends, as Moses is on the, the ground in fear for his life, we read this in verse 7. He says, God says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the land promised to Abraham, the promised land. I'm going to rescue them, he tells Moses. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are treating them. So verse 10, so now Moses, go. Moses, go. Moses, get up, go to Egypt, go to Pharaoh, and bring my people, the Israelites, out. Friends, do you know what Moses did in that very next moment? Moses stood up and with an immense amount of courage, he ran hundreds of miles back to Egypt and he single-handedly led millions of Israelites out of Pharaoh's oppressive reign. Is that what happened? No. Friends, God commands Moses to go and here's his response. Exodus 3 verse 11. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Friends, God commands Moses to go, and here was Moses' response. He goes, you know, you cannot send me. I'm just a Midianite shepherd. I'm a murderer in that land. The Pharaoh, he is not going to listen to me. Friends, here is what Moses just did. Moses made an excuse. God, you cannot use me. Friends, Moses' excuse making is not over. Listen to what happens in Exodus 4 verse 1. Moses and God, they talk a little bit more. And so Moses essentially says, okay, let's say I do go to Egypt. What if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say to me instead, the Lord did not appear to you. Friends, we read in the, in the, in the next little sections of verses there that in that moment, God turned Moses' staff into a serpent. He struck, he struck Moses' hand with leprosy and then immediately healed it. Now you would think that that's enough proof for our boy Moses that God was with him. But yet again, Moses issues another excuse. Exodus 4, verse 10, he says, Please, Lord, I have neither been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you've been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. Friends, this is essentially what Moses says to God. He says, God, I don't speak no good. Friends, it's believed that Moses had a speech impediment, and so he believed that God could not use him. Well, again, that speech doesn't work. God kind of puts him in his place. He says, uh, Moses, I made you exactly the way you are. And so finally, we read later that Moses begins to plead with God. And he says in verse 13, please, Lord, send someone else. He says, Lord, I cannot do it. Friends, this great man of faith, Moses, who is remembered in Hebrews chapter 11, he was a chronic excuse maker. Every time God told Moses to do something, he just offered the Lord excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And friends, listen to God's response. Exodus 4, verse 14. It says that the Lord's anger began to burn against Moses. Friends, God got angry with Moses. You know, I think there's something that we're saying this morning, and a lot of people don't like it when people say this, but it, but it needs to be said. 
God hates it. He hates it when his children are disobedient. Friends, God hates it when his children offer up excuses. Now, oftentimes when we think of God, we think of God as a God of love, which most definitely he is. 1 John 4, 16 says plainly that God is love. You and I today serve a loving God. But friends, do not think for a moment that because God is love means that he cannot hate because he most definitely does. Listen to this. This is Psalm chapter 5, starting in verse 4. The, the psalmist says this. He says, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. Listen right here. You hate all evildoers. Psalm chapter 11, verse 5, the psalmist again says, The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul, the very fiber of his being, hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Then, friends, you go to the book of Proverbs and you read in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. It says this, The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable him. The Lord hates arrogant eyes. The Lord hates a lying tongue. The Lord hates hands that shed innocent blood. The Lord hates a heart that plots wicked schemes. The Lord hates feet that are eager to run to evil. The Lord hates a lying witness who gives false testimony, and the Lord hates one who stirs up trouble, literally drama amongst the brothers. Friends, we could keep going and look at different passages of scripture, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. There are certain things in this life that are absolutely detestable to our Lord. Friends, there are things in this life that God absolutely hates. And I'm convinced that one of the things in this world that God hates most is when his children, his followers, offer up excuses for their disobedience. Now, friends, let's be real. Christians do this all the time. Let's say you're alone in your bedroom and it's late at night and you journey to that website you know is no good for your soul. You might justify it by saying, well, it's just going to be this one more time. Right? It's just going to be the night and I'm going to finish. You make an excuse. Friends, some of you have pushed boundaries with your, your boyfriends or girlfriends. You've been alone and you've crossed the line. You say, well, it's okay because we love one another. Friends, it is not okay. God hates excuse makers. God hates when his children are disobedient. I'm reminded here of the church in, in Laodicea. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus writes to the Christians in this church, and he says this, Revelation 3.15, he says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. He says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, listen, he says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Friends, let me ask you this. Have you ever eaten something in your life and the moment you tasted it, you just immediately wanted to spit it out? Pretty much every summer camp I've ever been to is side tarlin. Right? They're cafeteers. I'm like, what is this, dog meat? Oh, no. <laughs> Friends, by nature, when we eat something disgusting, our first response is to get it out. Friends, when God tells the Laodicean Christians that I want to vomit you out of my mouth, what he's saying is you disgust me. You disgust me. And the reason they disgusted our Lord is because they were lukewarm. They were phony. They lived a double life. They were excuse makers. Friends, God hates when his children are disobedient. God hates when people resist him. And so here's my question for you this morning. Are you an excuse maker? Have you been disobedient? Have you been a phony? Have you been a fraud? Have you been resisting God? Friends, if you have, God is very angry at you. If you have, God hates you. 
but he also loves you. And tonight when we come back together, we're going to talk about the love of God. But before we come back for this evening's chapel, I want to challenge each and every single one of you to take a survey of your own soul and ask yourself these very simple questions. Have I resisted God? Has God been calling me and I've offered up excuses? Am I an excuse maker? Friends, if the answer to any of those questions today is yes, then tonight we're going to show you how that could be made right. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we thank you today for the story of Moses. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves to forgive people he hates. And so, Lord, right now, I pray for the excuse makers here. Lord, I pray for the people who are resisting you, who are running from you, who, like Moses, are trying to spend 40 years avoiding you. Lord, I pray that today you would convict them of your sin and that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, we thank you today for who you are. We pray you would be blessed. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified as we go about the rest of our day. We love you, Jesus. And all of Heartland Christian Camp said, Amen. Amen.